You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore. Well, happy Sunday, or hope you have a happy Sunday. Somehow, even though the Packers aren't playing, I don't know how that's even possible, but we'll figure it out. Well, I figure since it's Sunday, we should probably talk about the games that are going down. Um... I really just am to the point where I feel like none of this matters. I genuinely do not believe we're going to get a high pick. I genuinely believe we're not going to get into the playoffs. So, I mean, I guess a higher pick would be nice. And Baker Mayfield looked good against uh, whatever team they played, the Rams and whatnot. You know what I mean? So maybe we lose to Baker Mayfield and the Rams. Not that that's a good thing, but I guess it's a good thing. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know. But anyways, briefly looking through the uh, slate of games, Buffalo and the Jets, obviously none of those games matter. Same goes for Cleveland and Cincinnati. Houston's playing Dallas, and the only reason I say it doesn't matter is because, let's be honest, Dallas isn't going to lose to Houston. If they did, that would be perfect. That would be one of the best outcomes that could happen the entire week because Dallas losing is awesome for no other reason than it's Dallas. And um, actually, you know what? That might not be good because then we're getting into the uh, Bears getting a number one overall pick realm of situations. And I don't want that to happen. So no, no, let's just not do that. Uh, Detroit and Minnesota. Minnesota is uh, Minnesota. Detroit is on a bit of a run right now. Five and seven team that I think has won four straight, including the last game in which they absolutely obliterated someone. As I said, I I think it's... um, I still don't believe they're a uber-talented. They are the anti-Packers. They have a massive amount of belief, belief in themselves. They're fighting and dying for each other out there on the field. But they don't exactly have a lot of talent yet, which is what makes them probably the most dangerous team in the NFC North if they can continue this level of belief, which I didn't think they'd be able to because they're going into, what, year three? And they're not winning any games. Well, they're going on a four-year or a four-game run. If they can finish strong and get a bunch of pieces for next year, 
I'm not saying they're a, a massive contender, but can they do enough to slip into the playoffs and then continue that belief and then go get more players, including a quarterback? It's not impossible, but the bottom line is, yes, I absolutely want Detroit to smoke Minnesota for every reason. Um, don't mind Detroit as much as I dislike Minnesota. It'll keep Minnesota from that number one NFC spot, which we desperately need. And it'll uh, potentially put us behind the Lions, which I guess isn't good, but I don't know. Jacksonville and Tennessee doesn't really matter. Philadelphia and the Giants, I don't know. Who cares? Well, I shouldn't say that. It, the, the The Giants in Washington, if you look at the scenarios in which the, player, the Packers can slip into the playoffs, um, a lot of it, in my opinion, comes down to the Giants in Washington. They hold the, uh, the keys to um, the... Keep wanting to say picks the uh, <laughs> the playoff seeding spots that we want, and so um, the Giants and Washington losing would be, I suppose, beneficial. Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who cares? Kansas City, Denver, who cares? Tampa Bay, San Francisco also doesn't massively matter. Although, again, they're kind of in that realm of possibly taking spots from us. Um, I don't know. This is this is a hate bowl. I, I don't like either of these teams. On one hand, I'd love for San Francisco to beat Tampa. Tampa's also been on a bit of a run and, and looking to get into the playoffs here. Um, not saying they're going to get in, but they're in a similar situation as us. And I absolutely know how Tom Brady is, and I would not be even the slightest bit surprised if they go on a run and, and win out the rest of the year and slip into the playoffs, and who knows what can happen once they get there. So if San Francisco can kind of smash that and uh, destroy their hopes and dreams, that would be lovely. But do I want the 8-4 and four San Francisco 49ers to win another game and go to the playoffs? Not really. What I love, I mean, Tampa Bay is about to fall off with Tom leaving and their head coach is already gone. And, you know, San Francisco being trash would be kind of nice. So it's, it's win-lose, lose-win either way. Carolina-Seattle. I suppose we're rooting for Carolina to win. It helps us as far as draft pick, and it also helps us in terms of playoffs if we did want to go that way, Seattle being 7-5. and five. Miami and the Chargers, Sunday night football. Who cares? Monday night football, New England, Arizona. Arizona's the only NFC team, but, uh, well, I, I, I don't know if they have much hope for being in the playoffs. I don't think they do, so I, I wouldn't mind rooting for them, although I don't like them, although I don't like the Patriots either. But Patriots being AFC doesn't really affect us a ton, although, I don't know. I don't know. You, you, can, you can work out who you want to win that. The, the Arizona Cardinals are 4-8. and eight. New England is 6-6. Six and six. Depends what you want and all that good stuff. But um, maybe I should have prefaced all that with this. Um, the current standings are um, the Packers have the 11th seed. The Packers and the Bears no longer have uh, the ability to win the division. Detroit actually still does. The Rams are the only other team that uh, are knocked out of division contention. The Bears are the only NFC team. I'm, I'm talking NFC here. The only NFC team um, that has been knocked out of the playoffs. AFC, Denver, and Houston um, cannot win the division. Houston is the only team that was knocked out of the playoffs. 
Minnesota will uh, clinch officially the NFC North this Sunday if they win or tie over Detroit. Philadelphia can do the same with a Philadelphia win or Seattle loss and San Francisco loss. Kansas City clinches the AFC West division title with a Kansas City win plus a Chargers loss. Teams that can clinch a playoff berth, obviously teams that uh, clinch their division, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Kansas City. Teams that can be eliminated from the playoffs, no, the Packers cannot be eliminated. Again, this was my fear about beating the Bears. Um, Can't be eliminated, so we have to play next week. Probably win next week, and then we're not going to be eliminated, obviously, because we win, blah, blah, blah. But Arizona, the Rams, and Denver can be eliminated from playoff contention this week. As of right now, the Green Bay Packers have the 12th overall pick if we move our attention to the draft. Um, Teams that we can immediately jump ahead of would be um, nobody. (laughs) The uh, teams with the same record as us right now are the Las Vegas Raiders and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have a bye and the Raiders already played. So none of those records are going to change. The best that we could find, you got Arizona, Jacksonville, Carolina with um, one less win. So if those teams do go on to win, they'll have the same record as us. But again, uh, I don't think any of them will have a harder strength of schedule. So they will have the same record, but we will still draft later. So Vegas and Atlanta might leapfrog them, but we will not. So I don't think we can even move up the ranks like at all this week. So really no positive things can happen as far as the draft. So the best thing we could hope for would be a little help as far as, I guess, the playoffs. And again, I'm not positive how much I I even really want that. Um, Just just largely because of the defense. Don't get me wrong. Would I like to see the Packers take a swing at it and continue to build this offense out and, and see what we can do, especially if Dobbs comes back and, and really can make an impact. And who knows, maybe we could have a top three offense, top two offense, whatever, and give it a go. I mean, we've, we've had success with great offense, terrible defense. It's been a formula. It's not a successful one, but it's been a formula. And maybe it's something we can build on going into next year, you know, give the team hope that, hey, we got to get this defense turned around at whatever cost. Yeah, every time I run one of these simulations, it always is coming down to um, Washington and the Giants. Um, Washington is tough. I've got them in the simulation uh, losing two of their next four, and they're still ahead of us. Um, In this case, I have us ahead of the Giants. We're still the seventh seed going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, In order to do that, obviously, we have to win out, which includes beating the Vikings. The Giants, though, in this scenario, lose um, three of four, which is feasible because they're going up against the Eagles, going up against Washington, um, the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles again. And in this scenario, the only team they ended up beating was the Colts. And if you switch it and have the Giants beat Washington, um, Packers are still in, Giants just take Washington's spot. It's just a swap. But again, it's tough because now we have Washington losing three or four. They'd be losing to the Giants, um, San Francisco the very next week, and then um, I have them losing to Dallas, which would be three of, actually, it's, yeah, three of four. If Washington wins just one more, say they beat San Francisco or whatever, they end up getting the seventh seed, and the Giants and Washington are both in, in which case you have 
the entire NFC uh, East in the playoffs, taking four of seven spots. So every time I'm looking at it, those are the two teams that we're, we're contending with are uh, the Giants in Washington. So if you're keeping your fingers crossed for the playoffs, then um, you're looking at Philly against the Giants. Philadelphia absolutely needs to win. Washington isn't playing this weekend. So a lot of teams that we actually need, you know, Atlanta, Washington, they're not playing. But I'll tell you what, keeping in the theme of looking around the, uh, the rest of the NFL, I wanted to do something. Um, yes, Laughing at the Enemy Chicago Bears edition is still coming. I think it's going to be tomorrow. You know, we wanted to do this whole thing today and yesterday I missed, obviously. So a little bit of a setback. However, I've mentioned many times that Packer fans kind of get stuck in their own head. You know, we got this little bubble and it's a bubble of we suck, but everybody else is great. Why are we the only team in football that can't get this right or can't do this? You know, whenever something isn't top five, we act like it means we're 32nd. You're either top five, top 10, or you're dead last. You know, Rodgers is having a, a, a bad season. What does that mean practically? It means he's trash. Oh, so like bottom five? Well, no. Bottom 10? Well, no. Bottom half? Well, no. Okay. Top 10? Well, maybe only technically. But he's not top three anymore. All right. Well, fair enough. So I kind of wanted to just do a trek around the NFL and just make fun of teams. Just real quick, just so we can all look at the fact that just because we're not top 10 at every position, at every single category, at every single thing, doesn't mean... So I'm just going to go through, and this is going to be harder for some teams than other, but uh, I'm going to go through and point out areas where each team sucks. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. Now, there's no particular order this to this in terms of team. It's just kind of taking things as they come. Why don't we start with the New York Jets? That's a pretty easy one. The New York Jets have done just about everything right. They've been drafting well, mostly because of uh, relatively high picks. They brought in one of the most coveted uh, head coaches that you can find on the market in the last, I don't know how many years. And they've got just about every position accounted for. On top of that, they went out and got a very early pick at quarterback. So everything's ready to go. Everything's locked and loaded. They've picked some offensive linemen. They've got wide receivers, including Garrett Wilson, who's playing well. They got Sauce Gardner, who's already one of the best corners in all of football. In fact, they have two, basically, according to PFF grades, number one corners. Quinn and Williams got off to a very slow start, but in year four is, is a one of the best defensive tackles in all of football. They've got a, just a good defensive line across the board. But the one final piece to really make this an absolute contender is quarterback. And the Jets did draft a quarterback. They had a really good opportunity with a really high pick. And with the second pick, they took maybe the worst quarterback in the entire draft. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Trey Lance, who can't seem to even get on the field. He was saved uh, from embarrassment by an injury. And granted, 2021 has not been a great year for quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence has not been anywhere near his expectations. Zach Wilson is terrible. Trey Lance is a joke. Justin Fields, obviously, there's a lot of disagreement about that. Um, very scary athlete, hasn't really proved to be a very good thrower of the football in any capacity. Mac Jones is one of the better quarterbacks from the draft class, but is still one of the worst in football. But all that aside, again, the Jets are, are more or less ready to make a run, but the most important position, they have the worst quarterback in all of football. 
Likewise, sticking at the quarterback position, another team that seemed poised for a run. They had everything in, in place, really good head coach. Everything was ready to go, except they just couldn't quite figure out the quarterback situation, and that was the Indianapolis Colts. They obviously had Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck left. Then they moved on to Jacoby Brissett. And again, they, they had just really started to build a powerhouse. Great offensive line, good running back. The defense just came out of nowhere. Without a massive amount of talent, they were playing really, really well. So they're like, all right, let's go out and get a quarterback. And they went out and got Phillip Rivers. I thought this was a really good move because Phillip Rivers has always been a pretty steady, solid quarterback. Always underrated, in my opinion. Goes to Indianapolis and just completely implodes. The next year, they try the exact same thing and go get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was garbage. Did they learn their lesson? Of course not. The very next year, they do the exact same thing again with the exact same philosophy. We've got a team, even though the team was starting to fall off already, and we go out and get who? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has been the worst of the three. And this one, you know, again, you can keep talking yourself into it. Carson Wentz, I think, was absolutely idiotic because that guy hadn't been good in quite a long time. But Philip Rivers, I get it. We're close. We're right there. Then you get Carson Wentz. Now... Your team is starting to fall off, but at least you're looking at it going, hey, look, Matt Ryan is one of the most accurate quarterbacks still in the NFL. He's got no weapons around him. He's got, I mean, literally zero wide receivers, zero offensive line. He's got a rookie tight end. That's it, and probably the worst defense in all of football. You bring him over here with a great offensive line, a great run game, we got a shot. Right now, Matt Ryan is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh worst quarterback in football via PFF. He's actually tied with none other than Carson Wentz, the quarterback they just got rid of. Not only that, though, it gets better. You know who leads the NFL in interceptions? Matt Ryan. He already has more interceptions than he's had since 2019. If he throws two more interceptions this year, he will have more interceptions than he's had since 2015. As a percentage, He has never been worse. Turnover-worthy play percentage, 4.4%, is the highest of his entire career, which goes back to 2008. 4.4% of his throws are turnover-worthy plays. He has thrown 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. This is his worst year, his worst grade overall, his worst passing grade, his worst fumble grade, most turnover-worthy plays, Probably not surprising um, that the coach, the the head coach, ended up getting fired. Actually, that doesn't make a ton of sense because I doubt he was the one bringing in all these quarterbacks. But the, it, it's not surprising that they've decided to start moving on and saying, "All right, we need we need some different different blood in here." As of right now, the Indianapolis Colts are on their third year of going after a veteran quarterback, and so far, this is the worst performing quarterback of all of them, Jonathan Taylor is now ranked 42nd in the NFL. Did you even realize that? Again, with the Packers bubble thing. Did you know Quentin Nelson fell off after 2020? I mentioned this last year. We keep talking about Quentin Nelson like he's the best guard in football. He was the third best in 2018, second best in 2019, third best in 2020. Then last year, he was the 26th, and so far this year, 22nd. His grades went from 81, 91, 87, down to 69 and 68. Quentin Nelson is an average guard right now. If you look at their draft history, because they were considered one of the best drafting teams for a while, they were the best everything, right? The best GM, they got the best coach, they got the best of all worlds, right? 
Their first pick this year was Alec Pierce, and I know a lot of people are excited about Alec Pierce. He had a good game or whatever. Alec Pierce is ranked 83rd out of all wide receivers with a 63 overall grade. Jelani Woods, a lot of Packer fans, myself included, were interested in Jelani. Well, I don't, I don't, was I interested in Jelani Woods? I thought I was saying that the guy looks super slow. But anyways, Jelani Woods uh, has a 62 overall grade, ranking 33rd out of all tight ends. His contribution, 205 yards and three touchdowns. He has four games with zero reception, six games with less than five yards, and one game with more than 50 yards. 98 yards and zero touchdowns against Pittsburgh was his best game of the year so far, aside from his 13 yards and two touchdowns game. Bernard Raymond, the third-round pick, is not a good football player, but is their current starting left tackle because that's how bad things are. Last year in their first round, they got Quiddy Pay. Anyways, we don't need to continue much further other than to say the drafting has not been very good. I mean, Pay is not terrible, but uh, Quiddy Pay, Deo Odenigbo, Kalen Granson were the first three picks. The year before that, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, and Julian Blackman. And what I've always said about running backs is kind of cheating. You take a running back in the first two rounds, it's probably they're probably not going to suck. Michael Pittman is a subpar wide receiver. Jonathan Taylor was great, having a terrible year. Julian Blackman, Kyle Granson, Deo Odenigbo, these are guys I don't even hear about anymore. It's been bad. And then sticking with quarterback, we'll go with the Chicago Bears, and you already know what I'm going to say. The Bears have one good thing going for them, like on the entire team, and that's their quarterback. And he is the most inaccurate quarterback in the entire NFL. I've gone over the stat a million times, so I'm not going to even bother to do it again. When you're talking about both catchable passes and on-target passes, he is the most inaccurate quarterback in all of football. You have a guy that is a runner that is has horrific accuracy with no offensive line, no wide receivers, no defensive line, no linebackers, no corners, and you're going to sit there and brag about next year? <laughs> what do you have next year? What are you going to do? You're going to get five offensive linemen, two wide receivers, two defensive tackles, two edge rushers, uh, at least a linebacker, a couple corners, probably good at safety, good at, at uh, running back and tight end, I think. And then what? Keep running the ball? <laughs> Because you can't really throw it with that inaccurate of a quarterback. Oh, oh, I know. Obviously, he'll figure it out. Like, everybody does. Everybody just magically becomes a great Hall of Fame quarterback over time. It just needs time. Duh. Everything hinges on Justin Fields. Everything is predicated on him being a great quarterback, and he's never been able to prove it. He's never been able to do it. Quarterback, not running back. You want to sit here and talk about his running back stats? Go ahead. But as a quarterback wildly inaccurate. One of the other stats that SIS tracks is bust percentage, which is the percentage of passes that are super trash, like uber bad. You know who has the highest bust percentage? It's actually a tie, but it's Jameis Winston and Justin Fields are tied at 23.2% of their passes. Nearly one quarter of their passes are uber garbage. His EPA per play is third worst negative 63.98. I guess that wouldn't be per play. That's just EPA, but whatever. Cumulatively trash. That's the hope for the Chicago Bears sitting right there. Sticking with quarterback because a lot of teams to get through. The Patriots are actually extremely similar to the New York Jets. The difference is the Patriots actually have been able to demonstrate that they're still very um, potent 
Despite their struggles, they are still a top 10 team in terms of point differential. They've always been very good at that. But the Patriots are clearly a team that are in decline. They're trying to cling. They're trying to hang on as best as they can. And Bill Belichick is doing the best he can to do what he's always done, which is getting the best out of the guys that he has. He just doesn't have any guys. But again, what do we have with Mr. Mac Jones? Again, he might be one of the best throwers in the entire draft class, but he's still terrible. So far this year, Mac Jones has had one good game, and that was against Minnesota. He had an 88 overall grade. Aside from that, it's been 66, 49, 62, 35, 52, 51, 64, and 53. Like everybody else that you try to trash, you, you can never say they're the worst, aside from Justin Fields' inaccuracy, because of Zach Wilson. But aside from Zach Wilson... Mac Jones is, first of all, the second-worst quarterback under pressure. Now, that might seem obscure, but it's absolutely not. The inability to control or, or, or play under pressure is a serious problem in the NFL because you're going to be facing pressure roughly probably 20% of the time, at a minimum. Less if you have an elite offensive line, but, but that's going to be pretty standard, I would say. If you can't handle pressure, and he absolutely cannot, he is terrible under pressure you're in trouble. Case in point, he really hasn't regressed at all. The only difference in Mac Jones is is sort of twofold. Number one, he's gotten worse under pressure. And number two, he's faced significantly more pressure. When kept clean, he's the exact same quarterback with no pressure. 87.4 overall grade in 2021, 84 overall grade in 2022. The biggest difference is his, his abilities under pressure were a 59 last year, a 24 this year, and then last year under pressure, uh, 27% of the time. This year, 31% of the time, almost 32%. He's facing more pressure and he's not handling it well. That's the whole difference. And he went from being one of the most promising young quarterbacks to being one of the worst quarterbacks in football. And again, the Bill Belichick era is running out. He's not going to be here much longer. They're trying and they're clinging as hard as they possibly can, and Bill is doing as good of a job as he possibly can, but they will never get there with Mac Jones. And the odds of them finding a really good quarterback and being able to maintain enough talent to be able to go on a run while Bill Belichick is still there is almost zero. Additionally, what seemed to be a very promising team going on a run, uh, they won six, no, five out of their, out of six between weeks five and week 11. Won five out of six. Beat Detroit, beat Cleveland, beat the Jets, beat the Colts, beat the Jets again. Lost to the Bears inexplicably. Um, but since then, after going from one and three to six and four, have fallen to six and six after losing to the Vikings and losing in spectacular fashion to the Buffalo Bills. Now they've got a relatively easy road ahead of them. They got Arizona. They have the Raiders, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Well, the last three might be a little bit tough, but. Suffice it to say, it is a very real possibility that the New England Patriots will not be in the playoffs this year. That would be only the second time since 2003, the third time since 2001. However, it'll be the second time in three years, if that doesn't paint a picture for you. And again, very unlikely once Tom left that things were going to be able to sustain, but they were actually able to really find a good amount of success. Last year, they, were, they you know, kind of fell off. And then toward the end, really just hit their stride and started just smashing people. And it looked like they were about to do it again. But again, it's just, this is too much to overcome. They, they're just way too deficient. Looking at the Denver Broncos, I mean, this one's just 
low-hanging fruit. This is the easiest thing in the world. Um, the, the two things I want to focus on, though, number one is, is the low-hanging fruit, which is quarterback, right? We, the, the assumption is we have everything we need. All we need is a quarterback. So they went and got a quarterback, and the quarterback failed in spectacular fashion. They went out and got theme of the day. They went out and got a veteran quarterback, and lo and behold, it didn't work. By the way, to all the all-in crowd, just go pay for the big name thing. Doesn't seem to be working all that well. You can't just go pay for success. You can go pay for players and maybe it pans out, but you cannot buy championships. You cannot buy Super Bowls. Doesn't work that way. You get one of the best players at one of the most, at, at the most premier and important position and just outright buy him. And look what happened. But that's not my favorite part of all this. My favorite part of all this is looking at their offense aside from the quarterback. The assumption they made prior to that said, we have one of the most elite receiving groups in all of football. And I kept saying, I don't necessarily understand where you're getting that from. Well, they got Jerry Judy and they got that, 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 that. They got Cortland Sutton. They got Albert Okwegbanam. Man, they've got, they've got the best wide receiving group in football. If they could just find that quarterback, I'm telling you, it's going to be just elite. And I said, how do you know that? These receivers have never done anything. Well, that's because of bad quarterback play. How do you know that? And, and again, what I've said a thousand times about a thousand different situations that nobody ever seems to want to acknowledge, if somebody is bad and you say, yeah, well, that's the quarterback's fault, you can't just automatically assume with a better quarterback they get better. You know, for example, if you find a toy that doesn't work and you find out the batteries are dead, do you know if you put new batteries in it, that toy's going to work? You don't, because you don't know if the toy works. Just because the batteries are dead doesn't mean everything will be fine if you replace the batteries. There could be other issues. It's so insane the amount of times that people want to play these games. Well, he'd be great if, if only. Well, guess what? They have one of the worst wide receiver groups in the entire NFL. According to PFF, if you sort by receiving... The Denver Broncos have the second worst wide receiver group ahead of Carolina. And the reason I didn't use this to pick on Carolina is because they actually have one that's graded out fairly highly and it didn't really, it wasn't as much fun as picking on the Denver Broncos. Because I've been saying this for years. Because the assumption is, well, Jerry Judy is elite. How do you know Jerry Judy's elite? This is, this is what happens when people just started uh, assuming because of the draft. They, Jerry Judy was elite in college, therefore he's elite. Well, do we know that that? Well, he's definitely elite. I've seen him. Watch the tape. Okay. Well, I see a lot of bad wide receiver or a, a lot of elite wide receivers on bad football teams that are tearing it up. What's his excuse? Well, bad quarterback play. I just addressed that. Devontae Adams right now has a 91.3 overall grade. Is that because the, the Raiders are an elite football team and Carr is an elite quarterback? Is that what that means? Amon Ross, St. Brown in Detroit? Cooper Cup in L.A. L.A. completely fell off, and they lost their quarterback, and he has still got an elite grade. Garrett Wilson for the Jets. Garrett Wilson's a rookie playing with the worst quarterback in all of football. Explain that to me. You know what that is? That's you being full of crap. You want to say that they're elite. You want to just say they are because I say they are. And then when you point it out and say, no, they're not, look at them. Well, that's because of some other factor. No, it's not. Just acknowledge what it is. So they go out and get Russell Wilson, and guess what? They're still the worst wide receiver. Well, Russell Wilson's terrible. They've never been anything other than bad, ever. 
Maybe Russell Wilson is failing because of the garbage wide receivers. You ever consider that? Maybe the the, co- the coach that you assumed was going to be a guru and these wide receivers that you assumed were going to be elite, maybe it turns out they're all, they all suck. And that's why Russell Wilson fell off. Because I'll tell you what, I can point to his previous success. I can't point to the wide receiver's success ever. Albert Okwegbanam, never been a good threat at anything in his life. Well, in the NFL. Jerry Judy has six touchdowns in his career. Christian Watson has more touchdowns in four games than he has in his career. In fact, it, what is it? it might be, was it three games? It was. He had six touchdowns in three games. Jerry Judy has six touchdowns in three years. And as I just put on Twitter, in, in comparison, Garrett Wilson has four touchdowns. Jahan Dotson in Washington, rookie with a terrible quarterback, has five. Amon Ra in Detroit has six. Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco, they don't have a quarterback, has six. Amari Cooper in Cleveland has seven. Christian Kirk in Jacksonville has seven. And Devontae Adams has 12. At this pace, I doubt I'm going to get through the entire NFL, but I am having fun. Why don't we take a break? I'm going to try to pick up the pace on the other side. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another team I want to pick on for their wide receivers is the Arizona Cardinals because there is no team that has invested more in the wide receiver position than the Arizona Cardinals. 
Because of the scheme that they employ, they need multiple elite wide receivers. As of right now, they are uh, rated as the, I just lost it here, the fourth worst wide receiver group in the entire NFL. Now, part of that has to do with injury, but I'm still going to laugh at you for it. You invested a lot, well, not enough because the Houston Texans are stupid, but you invested a lot in DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins so far, which is a lot considering how little he's played, but so far, 574 yards and three touchdowns. Hollywood Brown also has been out about half the year. He's produced about 500 yards and three touchdowns. As far as consistent wide receiver play, the next best wide receiver you have on your team is Greg Dortch. That's right, Greg Dortch. You know, (laughs) Greg Dortch. Come on, you know. 65 overall grade. The next highest graded is Rondale Moore, which is depressing for several reasons because Rondale Moore was supposed to be some elite wide receiver. Everybody thought was going to be super great. Uh, He had a decent rookie year, but has since completely fallen off, probably because he was thrust into a thrust into a premier role because of all the injuries and has not responded very well. He also has been out basically since week 10. So another injury. The next wide receiver, Andre Bacchalibat. Chalia seems Italian, so I'm going to put a C-H in there. B-A-C-C-E-L-L-I-A. Never heard of him in my life. The next highest graded wide receiver is Andy Isabella. He's played three games. After that, A.J. Green. He's played 10 games, surprisingly one of the more healthy wide receivers on the team, with a 54.6 overall grade, followed in last place with a wide receiver who's played six games. Nobody's played any games in this on this team who is Roby, Robbie, I don't know why I always want to call him Roby, Robbie Anderson. The tight ends, they've got, uh, again, invested in a ton of tight ends. Zach Ertz, 66 overall grade. They've got Max Williams, who they went out and paid a bunch of money for, who was an elite tight end. What's he doing for Arizona? 46.8 overall grade. Trey McBride, guy that I was uh, looking at for the Packers as a potential second-round prospect, 40.1 receiving grade. And then finally, Steven Anderson with a 30.3 overall grade. Three worst receivers on the team are all tight ends, including one of what used to be the best tight ends in the entire NFL, Max Williams. This team is entirely predicated on having really good receivers, and they have some of the worst receiving players in football. Max, The, the three tight ends, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Green, Andy Isabella, all completely horrible. Rondale Moore has been subpar. A.J. Green, did I mention him? Terrible. Zach Ertz, bad. So you got Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, who have been battling injuries all year. And as a result, well, what happens when your team is entirely based on one thing and that one thing isn't working? When you've invested every resource you have into only one part of your team, first of all, that is a failure every time it's done, no matter what the position is. When you invest nothing in your offensive line, you don't even try to build out a run game and your defense has been terrible. You've drafted two linebackers in the first round. I think both of them are terrible. One of them was like a top five pick. That guy is just useless. So you've done nothing to fix your defense. You've done nothing to build your offensive line. You've done nothing to start a running game. You went out and got a quarterback and wide receivers, and then you got a coach who has a spread off, spread college offense, and you're like, I don't care about anything. We're going to throw the ball. And then your wide receivers suck, and your quarterback falls apart. What happens? Well, you are 4-8. Uh, and eight. You have scored 30 points once this year. You got It was 42 points against the New Orleans Saints. You've not gotten to 30 
once, and, and that's with the 31st-ranked defense in football because obviously you want to talk about Brian Gutekunst and his failures. Look at the Arizona Cardinals. It's a joke. They've done nothing but follow the playbook of Packer fans. Go out and get all of the guys. Pay top price for Max Williams. Draft Trey McBride. Go out and get A.J. Green and Robbie Anderson. Draft Andy Isabella. Draft Rondale Moore. Go out and get Zach Ertz. Go out and get Hollywood Brown. Go out and get DeAndre Hopkins. Think about that. They traded for DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, uh, A.J. Green, Robbie Anderson, and Max Williams, and they drafted Rondale Moore, Andy Isabella, and Trey McBride. And they have one of the worst receiving groups in football, worse than the Packers, who've done what again? Who have they gone out and got? One wide receiver that's basically sitting on the bench, and they, dr- they drafted a handful of guys this year. Second-round pick is the highest, and he's better than just about anybody they have on their entire team. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? And then, just because it's at the top of my mind, let's look at the L.A. Rams. What are the Rams known for? F them picks, right? Now, granted, the Packers aren't that way, and they're struggling also, but how's that working out for them? The fact of the matter is, when I look at the Packers and I have hope, it's because I can look to guys like Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, Wyatt, Watson, Dobbs, Zach Tom, Kingsley, Josh Myers. Not a huge Josh Myers fan, but you get it. He's there. He's a contributor. Solid enough. A.J. Dillon. Honestly, potentially, Jordan Love. Elton Jenkins. That's what gives me hope for the future. Do you know the last time the Rams had a first-round pick? 2016, Jared Goff. And they gave away all their picks to get him. You know how I know? They didn't have a pick again until the fourth round. The last five years of drafting. 2018, their first pick was in the third round. They took Joseph Noteboom. By the way, I want to preface this by saying, according to PFF, this is the worst rushing team in all of football. And the reason I say that is because if you look at some of their top picks, you've got uh, Joseph Noteboom, the tackle, who is not playing. You've got Cam Akers, the running back. This past year, you have Logan Bruss, who is also not playing, probably because he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a third-round pick. This year, Logan Bruss, Kobe Durant, Kyron Williams, Quinton Lake, Darian Kendrick, Daniel Hardy, Russ Yeast, and A.J. Arcuri. Who are any of them? Seriously. Have you heard about any of them? You, I mean, NFL-wide, if you've been somewhat paying attention, you know who Christian Watson is. You know who Quay Walker is. They've been playing. Their name's been out there. They're NFL football players. You've probably heard about Romeo Dobbs. Maybe if you're paying real close attention, you've heard about Zach Tom. Probably not. It's mostly a Packer thing and a... You know, have to be paying pretty closely. You might have even heard of Kingsley and Igbari. And I'm not just talking about you've heard about them through the draft. I'm talking about you've heard about them playing in the NFL. Kobe Durant, do you even know what position he plays? As best as I can tell, the only player on this entire draft that has played a single snap is fifth-round pick running back Kyron Williams, 25 rushing attempts for 108 yards, eight receptions for 73 yards. Actually, that's not true. Looks like Kobe Durant does have a pick. The year before that, they drafted 2-2 Atwell with their first pick in the second round. After that was Ernest Jones, linebacker. 2-2, by the way, has played in about three total games. He's graded out quite highly, but again, he's not even ranked because he hasn't played enough. Ernest Jones is a currently a subpar linebacker playing next to Wagner, 
was the number one linebacker in football and about the only good player on this entire team, aside from uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, the other cornerback, Troy Hill. But Troy Hill is 31 years old, and uh, Wagner is 32 going on 33. How many talented young players do they have? How about Bobby Brown, defensive lineman? Robert Rochelle, defensive back? Jacob Harris, wide receiver? Ernest Brown, defensive end? Jake Funk, the running back? Ben Skoranek, wide receiver? He's actually starting, by the way, Skoranek. That's how bad things have gotten there. He's their third wide receiver. He ranks 106th out of 119. He was a seventh-round pick. 2020 draft, Cam Akers, running back. 65.4 overall grade, rushing at 3.3 yards per carry. He has 113 attempts, 376 yards, four touchdowns, and two fumbles. Kyron Williams, who I just mentioned, uh, was their fifth-round pick this year, has been a better running back than Cam Akers, who has been probably their highest pick in the last, what, seven years? The other second-round pick they took was Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson is their second, actually, he's probably their number one wide receiver, if we're being honest. He is ranked 80th in the NFL. Again, to the Brian Gutekunst haters, and, and listen, everybody else being terrible doesn't make him great, but if you look at it with a little bit of perspective, this is trash. Not only are they throwing away the picks, but they're not even doing anything when the, with the picks when they get them. Terrell Lewis, third-round pick, linebacker, not playing. Terrell Burgess, safety, third-round pick, not playing. Bryson Hopkins, tight end. Six targets, three receptions, 31 yards. That's been his contribution this year. Jordan Fuller, safety, not playing. Clay Johnston, linebacker. Sam Sloman, kicker. 2019 second-round pick, Taylor Rapp, is is mediocre at best. Daryl Henderson, running back. How many running backs can one team pick and be the worst uh, running, running team in the entire NFL? Daryl Henderson has a 62.3 overall grade. He's running at four yards per carry, 70 attempts, 283 yards, three touchdowns. David Long, Bobby Evans, Greg Gaines, David Edwards, Nick Scott, Dakota Allen. The year before that, Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen, Jonathan Franklin Myers, who I think is a Jet right now, is actually playing pretty well for the Jets. Micah Kaiser, geez, that guy. Ogbania Okoronkwo. John Kelly, Jamil Denby, Sebastian Joseph Day, I'm pretty sure plays for, isn't it the Raiders or something? Trayvon Young, they don't have anybody on this team that's worth anything because they have not invested in the future. So while it's true, the Packers and Rams have invested in very different philosophies. They both had success for a while and are now failing. The massive difference is that the Packers can pick up and move on and fix this quickly. The Rams cannot. They can't. And if they keep playing with this strategy of, I don't want picks, they will never be a good football team again because free agency can't fix an entire team. If you're decent, if you're decent, you can go out in free agency and get a couple of players and and try to make this thing work. What happens now? Now you have to abandon your strategy and start drafting, but you're not a good drafter. You've proven that. Even with your earlier picks, your second-round picks, your third-round picks, you can't do anything with them. You don't have any hits. I can't point to one good draft pick. Not one. The last time you had a good draft pick was 2017 third-round pick Cooper Cup. That's it. And even that draft class kind of sucks. Aside from Cooper Cup. Before that, Jared Goff, Tyler Higbee, Farrell Cooper... Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't I mean, I don't even know if it's been the same GM. Who, who is their GM? Yeah, he's been the, the uh, guy since 2012. 
and everybody loves the guy because he does what everybody wants, which is to just go out and just get guys. And he's had success being a guy that doesn't like to pick, doesn't like to draft. He wants to just go get guys, which is any freaking idiot can do that. You don't even need to draft. You just trade your picks away for players that are already performing. Who can't do that? Pick some scrub off the street. All right, let's speed round a couple of these. Tennessee Titans, actual playoff contender, the worst offensive line via PFF in the entire NFL. Left tackle Dennis Daly, 50 run blocking grade, 46 pass blocking grade. He's given up 36 pressures, including nine sacks on the season. Left guard Aaron Brewer. They've been doing a lot of shuffling, but it's mostly Aaron Brewer. 60.5 run blocking grade, 42.7 pass blocking, giving up 22 pressures and three sacks. The worst news is that Dylan Radins, never learned how to say the guy's name after all that time. He was their 2021 second round pick. He's played the second most at left guard. He's also played right guard a little bit, as well as uh, being that fifth offensive lineman spot. He has a 41 overall grade, 41 run blocking, 75 pass blocking though, but he currently doesn't really have a position. Played a little bit of right guard last week. Center Ben Jones is a decent run blocker, but has a 62.3 pass blocking grade. Right guard Nate Davis, uh, 68 pa- uh, run blocking, 69 pass blocking, is their best offensive lineman, which is not great when you're, you know, right guard is that. And then uh, rookie Nicholas Petit Frere out of Ohio State was seen as a guy that uh, is probably a really good run blocker, but is a terrible pass blocker. Well, he proved the second part right. He has a 48.8 pass blocking grade as a right tackle. He's given up 28 pressures and three sacks. He also has a 65.5 run blocking grade, so he's not even doing that well. So suffice it to say, as decent as this team has been, and it's a credit to them for being able to do as well as they have, I'm skeptical of their ability to be successful, especially considering the majority of their success has been defense. Their defense ranks 11th, their offense ranks 26th. I wonder why. Maybe it has something to do with um, your entire offense was predicated on having a really good offensive line, a really good run game, and then finding a game manager quarterback that can come in and operate with uh, some pretty talented wide receivers like uh, A.J. Brown, who you shipped off to the Eagles. Maybe that has something to do with it. By the way, that great defense that hasn't given up hardly any points since week two against Buffalo just gave up 35 to the Eagles and you lost because you only scored 10. The week before, you only scored 16. You scored 27 against the Packers because freaking obviously, prior to that, 17, 17, 17, 19, 21, blah, 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 blah. Your offense sucks, and you have the worst offensive line in football. Congratulations on giving away that sliver of hope that you had for being a really good football team. You have a little bit of hope because the rest of the NFL sucks, but now that your defense seems to be imploding a bit, I'm not sure how much hope I have for you on your two-game losing streak. By the way, the, the two wins you have in the midst of your three losses were to Denver and Green Bay. Congratulations. I wish I could make fun of the Bears again, but I can't because I already took them off the list. But worst defense in football is the Chicago Bears, which, again, hilarious because, oh, yeah, just one more year and they're going to turn that around. But the second worst defense, also a team that doesn't really matter, low-hanging fruit that I haven't even gone after yet. Because, let's just do it. The Texans suck at everything. Everything. They're terrible. They haven't done a single thing right. Their trades, their drafts, their coaching hire. Well, I don't want to trash Lovey. We'll see what happens. But their their coaching hires, their GM hires, their fires, their, their the guys that they traded away and the prices that they gave them away for. Everything about that franchise sucks. Boom, roasted. But the team I want to highlight as far as defense is the Chargers. There's another team that has squandered talent. You actually 
did what most teams can't do. In fact, some teams like the Jets have been trying and trying and trying forever, forever to get a quarterback, and they cannot do it. You had Phillip Rivers forever, and your first swing at getting a quarterback, you land Justin freaking Herbert. The problem is you're so wildly inept at building a roster that you've been never, and all this time, been able to put talent around that guy. The best wide receiver you have is now 28-year-old Mike Williams, who's always been decent, but never that great. He ranks 31st, and that's pretty par for the course for Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, I mean, I I know he's still there. He has a 73.8 overall grade. He's about right where Mike Williams is. Maybe maybe still slightly better, but he's not the same Keenan Allen, and he's 30 years. He's only 30 years old? I thought he was like 35. He must have been really young when he came into the league. That's pretty wild. But anyways, he's 30 and clearly declining. You've done nothing to give him an offensive line, ever. You got Corey Lindsley, who's been fine. I mean, that's that's great. You also went and got uh, Brian Balaga, who I think is out with injury. This is a garbage offensive line. He doesn't have any tight ends. And again, when, when I say you haven't done anything, the, the only thing good that he has are the guys that are leftovers, Williams and Allen, the, the wide receivers that have been there forever. What has the current regime done for Justin Herbert the last three years that he's been here? Austin Eckler was already there. He's decent. Offensive line. Bad. Have you fixed it? Absolutely not. In fact, it's probably worse than it's ever been. But leaving all that aside, this is one of the worst defenses in all of football. It's always been bad, but it just keeps getting worse. And what exactly have the Chargers done to fix that? Well, they drafted Zion Johnson, guard, in the first round. Now, I can't come down too hard on him because that was my dude, but and, and he is one of their best offensive linemen right now with a 61.1 overall grade. What have you done to fix your defense? Well, they didn't have a second-round pick, so in the third round, they picked safety J.T. Woods. He's not playing. To be clear, their two safeties are Alohi Gilman, a 2026-round pick who has a 52 overall grade, and Nasir Adderley, who's been a massive disaster and disappointment at safety, who is a highly touted second-round pick. Um, he's done nothing. In the fifth round, they drafted Otito Ogbonia. What the heck is with Ogbonia? I feel like I've said that 17 times. It was a guy's first name, now it's another guy's last name. So it was guard, and then in the third round, they took a safety who's not playing. Then they took a running back, then a defensive tackle who's not playing. Then another offensive lineman who, believe it or not, sixth round pick is playing and is their second best offensive lineman. Their second and third best offensive lineman are rookies this year. Maybe another way to say that is um, their offensive line was so trash that they have two rookies playing. What about last year? What did they do in the first round to fix their, their team? Well, they took Rashawn Slater in the first round, offensive lineman. Then they took Asante Samuel. A lot of Packer fans wanted him. He is ranked 86th in the NFL. Then they took a wide receiver. Then they took a tight end. They're trying to help Herbert, obviously. They're not doing anything. Again, this is where when you abandon, and we're, we're used to this too because for years we, we didn't really do anything but draft defense. We abandoned our offense. Fortunately, it didn't hurt us that bad because we had Devontae and Rodgers and it worked out. And, and David Bakhtiari and a bunch of guys that just were solid. Were and are. But what's Josh Palmer doing? He's ranked 70th. What's Trey McKitty doing? I don't know. I don't think he's even playing tight end. Then they went, okay, let's get a defensive guy, Chris Rumpf. He has a 44 overall grade. You want to talk about garbage. The year they drafted Justin Herbert, they drafted Kenneth Murray after that. He has a 37.9 overall grade. I mean, this this is what I'm saying, man. We get up in our head about how bad the Packers are. They're, They're not doing anything. This is so bad. The drafting has been so bad. 
Where's Jerry Tillery? That was their first round pick in 2019. I mean, remember the Packers' worst year of draft? What was that, 2017, 2018? Just the worst year. That's like every year for the Chargers. 2019, Jerry Tillery, Nasir Adderley, Trey Pipkins, Drew Tranquil, Easton Stick, Emeke Ogbula, Cortez Broughton. All garbage. 2020, they got Herbert, and then they followed it up with Kenneth Murray, Josh Kelly, Joe Reed, Alohi Gilman, KJ Hill. The next year, they did get Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater's great. I think he's on IR. But Asante Samuel, Josh Palmer, Trey McKitty, Chris. I mean, they've got, as far as I can tell in the last four, four years, they've drafted two good players. And granted, they're great players, Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater. But that's it. Two, play, two, two great players? I don't know that any of the other ones are even good players. I mean, Zion is, is decent enough, I guess. What a waste. Chargers have Justin Herbert, one of the best, most promising young quarterbacks in football, and they've squandered it by being inept at drafting and finding talent to put around. And they've resorted to picking up the Packers' old scrub offensive lineman, one of whom is already down, down and out. And they're left with Corey Lindsley. How about Tampa Bay? Now, again, low-hanging fruit would be Tom Brady. Ha-ha, Tom Brady, you suck. But honestly, that's very similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation because suck for Tom Brady means about an 80 overall grade. 3,300 yards, 16 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. So instead, I want to take a similar tact to the Rams. Where's their future? Remember, and, and granted, they won a Super Bowl, and a lot of fans would be happy with that. Hey, I'll give away everything and be trash for five years if it means uh, getting a Super Bowl. I don't care. I'm not that way. I like good football teams winning on Sunday. If it doesn't culminate to winning the big game, oh well, we've had a great year. Prefer that to living in hell and then getting a Super Bowl and then being back in hell, which is Tampa Bay's history. Garbage, garbage, garbage. Got Tom Brady and everybody he ever could have wanted. Win a Super Bowl and then back into the doldrums. But really, what, what is the, the talent core? Let's take a look at pass rush. Let's look at their edge rushers in particular. Their highest graded pass rusher is Shaquille Barrett. Shaquille Barrett ranks 57th in the NFL, and he just cracked 30 years old. After that is Joe Tryon Shoyinka, um, who ranks 77th with a 59.2 overall grade. Excuse me, pass rush grade. But what about statistics? How about pass rush win rate? Shaquille Barrett, their best pass rusher, ranks 31st. His win rate is 16.5%. Again, that's just how many times you beat the guy across from you. For reference, Rashawn Gary is uh, 21%. But how about after Shaquille Barrett? Because he's one of the first guys that's going to go. Him, a lot of those guys that they brought in. Remember, they did bring in Shaquille Barrett. It was a while ago, but uh, he was, who was, I think he was with the Broncos or something. He's not going to be there very long. So who's next on the list? Joe Tryon, 14.7%. Win rate, not pressure rate. Even if you're looking at uh, true pass sets, which is, you know, re- taking away double teams and all that kind of stuff, although I doubt he gets any. He ranks 45th. Their best future pass rusher ranks 45th. They have one of the worst pass rushes, and that's even with Vita Vea on the inside and uh, Devin White, the linebacker, who's a really good pass rusher. Even with that, they have one of the worst pass rush units in the entire NFL. As crazy as it sounds, Tom Brady is one of the best players left on this team. Tom Brady and Levante David, the linebacker. The great Julio Jones has a 66 overall grade and has played just a handful of games. He ranks 67th in the NFL. Um, Mike Evans ranks 48th. Godwin ranks 25th. So I guess they have kind of one number one wide receiver. I mean, he's, he's, he's good enough 
fair enough. Goodwin and Evans are, are decent enough wide receivers, I guess. The offensive line has gone to zero. They don't have a running back. They don't have a tight end. Oh, they do have one uh, cornerback in Jamel Dean. That's true. They got him too. Now, they actually do have some young talent because they've kept some of their draft picks and, and they've drafted well enough. Jamel Dean, third round pick. Well, actually, that's, a, that's probably it. <laughs> Godwin was 2017. Evans was 2014. I don't know that they've really drafted anybody good either. Who's their best draft pick recently? I mean, Joe Tryon was a first round pick. I didn't even realize. I thought he was like a fourth round pick. That's crazy. That dude sucks. This year it was Logan Hall and Luke Gadecki. As far as I can tell, neither of them. Two second-round picks, neither of, neither of them are playing. Rashad White, the uh, running back, ranks 43rd. He's terrible. K-Dot in the tight end ranks 36th among tight ends. Joe Tryon, Kyle Trask, Robert Hainsey, that was last year. Oh, Tristan Wirfs in 2020 was a very good pick, and he's injured right now. And they got Anton Winfield, who's pretty decent in 2020 also. 2019, Devin White has been a massive disaster. Sean Murphy bunting has not been good. Uh, they got... Jamel Dean that year. Then year before that, Vita Vea, Ronald Jones, MJ. So Vita Vea was pretty solid. So they got their one guy, Vita Vea, in 2018. They got Jamel Dean in the third round in 2019. They got Werfs and Anton Winfield in 2020. Have not drafted well since then. Again, j- just for perspective, is that okay with you? The, the GM of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? One hit in 2018, one hit in 2019. Not the first or second round, the third round guy. Two hits, first and second round in 2020, and then nobody the last two years. Is that good enough for you? This is what the rest of the NFL is dealing with. This is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been doing. And again, when, when, when Tom Brady leaves and some of the, the actual talent that they have walks out the door, as many of them will, and, and again, they've got some core guys like Vita and everything else, although Vita Vea has a 61 overall grade right now. He, he, he actually peaked in 2020, 90, and then 74, and this year 61. But they went out and got Akeem Hicks. He's not going to be there very much longer. Levante David is 33 years old, still one of the best players on their team. Tom Brady is is going to be gone soon. Godwin or uh, Evans is going to be gone soon. This team's going to go to zero pretty quick. Anyways, um, I didn't get through every team, but it was meant just for perspective anyways. Um, the rest of the, the NFL is struggling, and it would not be hard to get through other teams. Washington, um, the 49ers. Even the Vikings, if I were to pick on them, one of the things that I would say about them is that they've actually drafted pretty well recently. And the reason I would say that is because they just fired their GM, the guy that found Christian Derisaw, who is a really, really good offensive lineman, the guy that drafted Justin Jefferson. How did that guy get fired? And what have they done this year? Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Ed Ingram, Brian Asamoah, Caleb Evans, Asezi Otamewo. Ty Chandler, Vendarian Lowe, Jalen Naylor, Nick Muse. Granted, Booth and Seen are both on IR, but it wasn't a great start. Andrew Booth, who is supposedly this great, like he looks so good in, in training camp and everything's just great. Started this, uh, he played, he actually came in weeks 10 and 11. Did he get benched? What happened? So he was out to start the season. He came in weeks 10 and 11 with a 44 and a 51 overall grade, and then he's, he's shut down. I don't know, it looks like he's on IR now. And Lewis Seen, I don't know when he officially went on IR, but he was there for the first several weeks, and he just didn't play. So he played uh, one coverage snap in week two and one coverage snap in week four. That's it. Ed Ingram, the guy that they took in the second round, the guard, is one of the worst pass-blocking offensive linemen in football. Uh, Brian Asamoah has only played 34 snaps so far. 
Caleb Evans, fourth-round pick, has played 162 snaps. He's actually played a lot at corner. He has a 47 overall grade, 40.5 coverage grade. He's given up uh, 242 yards and a touchdown, two pass breakups, 119.9 passer rating. Fifth-round pick, Asezi Otomewo, has not played. Running back Ty Chandler has played one snap. Sixth-round pick, Vidarian Lowe, hasn't played. Wide receiver Jalen Naylor, three targets, two receptions, 28 yards. And tight end Nick Muse hasn't played a single snap. So zero production from this first draft class. Zero. Ed Ingram, again, is a liability. Everybody that's playing any amount of significant snaps has been terrible. Now, it's, I mean, it's just a rookie class. But again, first of all, given the Packers standards, and I'm sure a lot of Gutekunst haters and negative Packer fans are like, oh, look at the Vikings. They've been so successful. Well, they fired the guy that's been successful. They brought in a guy and have gotten zero positive production. Are you still a big Vikings fan or what? I'm just saying... There's a lot of hype about that Vikings GM and how excited they were, and Bears fans will be the first ones to tell you that the Vikings actually wanted Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace chose the Bears, and the Vikings took their second option. Or did I say Pace? I meant Poles. It's easy to get them confused. So they got their second pick at GM, and that and 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 by the way, he's a numbers guy more so than a football guy. Now, don't get me wrong; he's very very impressive. His his track record in terms of climbing the NFL corporate ladder, if you will. But I'm somewhat skeptical of, uh, you know, big numbers guys, accountants making draft decisions. And, you know, again, he did the numbers thing and he kept trading back and he gave what is seemingly a pretty scary wide receiver to Detroit and he gave Christian Watson to the Packers. Now, was that a scouting decision or was that a numbers decision? Would it have been better to stay and pick one of those wide receivers? I mean, not that you necessarily needed him, but stay and pick somebody with talent that was sitting there? Or should we just follow the numbers and tr- trade back? Simply because the numbers say so. I'm just saying, I don't know. He's got a lot of time to figure it out. Gutekunst's first draft wasn't great, although he hit Jair right out of the right out of the gate. First time, he had like four seconds to figure out uh, how to be a GM before he took Jair. But um, yeah, best of luck with that. Anyways, uh, that is officially the last one I'm picking up. You guys have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.